0: Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising As One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also, go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage. So you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Oh, 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 oh. Hello and welcome to the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Jeff Wendt and Kyle. How are you guys doing today?
1: I'm doing great today, Dominic. Uh, Great to be back with you guys again after a week off and uh, looking forward to talking a a lot of Phoenix Rising here today.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm doing awesome, you know, coming
0: off of a, a big win last night and a big win Wednesday. So great road trip for the team. Yeah, six points, I think that exceeded definitely my expectations, and I think almost all of our expectations, the way that we did it, outscoring our opponents 8-1 to one in those two matches. Uh, before we dive into the games, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Arizona Sports Complex. The Arizona Sports Complex is Arizona's premier indoor soccer facility on the southwest corner of 35th Avenue and Pinnacle Peak Road in Glendale. With newly installed air conditioning, the Arizona Sports Complex is home to youth and adult soccer year-round. They also have space for corporate events, birthday parties, so go to ArizonaSportsComplex.com for more information and let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you. Shall we dive into these matches? Yep, let's dive into both of these matches. Let's start with the Wednesday match first,
1: obviously. Uh, we'll go back to Oklahoma City. Uh, obviously, the biggest uh, changes, you know, a lot of lot of changes in the in the roster, first of all, with, with so many uh, additions and subtractions to the lineup, but also a change in formation for the first time this year. We see uh, Phoenix Rising go to a back three instead of a back four. So they play a 3-4-3. Three, with just Mike DeFont, James Musa, and Joe Farrell on the back. Nice to see Joe Farrell getting his first start of the year. Also nice to see Zach Lubin get his first start of the year in net for Phoenix Rising. Uh, but to see Cody Wakasa, Victor Vasquez move from the back up into the midfield uh, and flanking uh, uh, Kavon Lambert and Gladson Iwako there in the, in the middle, and then up front, you had, uh, Kevon Frater who got to see his first action of the season as a starter along with Alessandro Rigi and Chris Cortez. Um, definitely a, an interesting new look, uh, for the boys with, with the three in the back, but it worked very well, obviously, uh, you know, as you go, you know, through this first half, a lot of blocked attempts from Oklahoma city, even though they were pushing forward in the beginning, getting a lot of blocked attempts, uh, you know, good to see the defense holding there, uh, but, you know, not much from Phoenix Rising from the first 10 to 15 minutes, you know, holding their own and holding their play. Right, boom, right in the 16th minute, free kick uh, off the foot of Alessandro Rigi, uh, right to the head of Joseph Farrell, right in the back of the net for a 1 nothing lead right away. I mean, it was great to see us scoring on a set piece. We haven't seen many of those on the season, you know, so far. So it was great to see, you know, an early goal
0: from a set piece that that just worked to perfection. Absolutely. And can I just say something about this goal? The day I was interviewing Alessandro Rigi, you guys will have that interview later in the episode, Um, but it was Tuesday. It was right before they traveled to Oklahoma, and they were doing these set pieces, and I saw Joe Farrell just bang a couple headers in on Tuesday. I was standing there next to Jose Bosch, and I was just thinking, man, if he keeps this up, I could totally see him scoring in an open cup, maybe in a match soon. And uh, Jose was like, yeah, I I definitely agree. And sure enough, the very next day comes up a set piece and Farrell just gets above his marker, gets above everyone and just bangs it in. Absolute class. I mean, you heard it a few weeks ago. He loves those header goals. Yeah,
2: he does. He seems to... uh... To, you know have, have some great ability with his head and I mean we saw that in Ecuador and um, to see him take advantage of an opportunity and so early on in the match um, I was watching it here in Phoenix the uh, commentators were talking about how Phoenix has only scored once in the first 15 minutes of a match so far this season. this one was only at the 16th minute but I think it'll count anyways you know I mean it's an early goal you know and a great way to start off the match on
1: the front foot. Yeah, definitely a great way to start the match on the front foot. And, you know, six minutes later, we double the lead. And it's the same sort of play, except this time it's Mike Defont on the end of it uh, from an Alessandro Rigi corner. I mean, just unbelievable how we kept the pressure going after that first goal and a turnaround six minutes later. And off of another set piece, get another goal this time by, by Mike Defont. Great to see him get on the scoreboard here you know, early in the season. That's, you know, uh, uh, two defenders that you really hadn't seen goals from that back line and on these set pieces. And wow, boom, boom, two nothing right away off of two set pieces. You can't ask for anything better
0: of a start than that. No, and at that point, you really feel like the game is ours. I mean, Oklahoma City just has had such trouble scoring this year. Really even putting chances on target. uh, You figure that, with our defense, two goals should be enough to see this one out. And, uh, I mean, you can't ask for a better start.
1: Yeah. You couldn't ask for a better start, and, you know, and, and you go on through the rest of this first half, you know, Christian Ibiega gets a, gets an attempt that goes, uh, too high. Um, you get Kevon freighter gets hit, gets a shot on, on the 31st minute. Um, he, he, then you see a substitution, you know, on Oklahoma City's part, and and uh, Jose Barrio was really not happy with the substitution, went and kicked the, kicked the signboard and headed towards the locker room right away. He just was not happy with the way things were going there. Um, but, I, you know, you understand why the change was made. It just, you know, they weren't happy with the way the formation was going, and they felt they needed a change, and boom, they made that change right away, you know. Didn't make much of a difference making that substitution because Kevon freighter gets another shot in the 44th. Victor Vasquez gets a shot in the 45th. Kevon freighter gets another shot attempt uh, in the first minute of, of added time at the end of the first half. You know, just... They, they they just seemed out of sorts that entire first half. And you go into the go into the half 2 nothing. you know, Phoenix Rising just has all the advantage at that point.
0: Yeah, and they're a team that's kind of been out of sorts all season. I don't know what's going on. Maybe that's why Jose was so frustrated, is because he's one of the few guys that was here last year when they made the playoffs, when they had a lot of success, and for things to just really fall off the rails so fast, um, you can certainly see why he was frustrated. But, you know, great first half. And that, that Kavon freighter chance, he put some amazing moves on to get that shot off uh he got past a couple defenders uh even just touched the ball perfectly in midair to get past the last defender that was some really cool stuff and unfortunately the keeper sticks his leg out to stop that shot but that was really class stuff from and hopefully you see more of that in open cup or he gets some spot starts
2: I think we will, Dominic, moving forward. I think I think when we have seen Kavon Freder on the field, we've seen good things from him. Let like we said, that little bit of skill right there. And I mean I think on on another day he could have put that one in for a goal. So I think the key with Cavon Freder is just to keep getting him opportunities and eventually he's gonna start scoring. I mean, he scored early on in preseason, so we've seen he has the ability to do so. I think the, the key with him is just getting an opportunity in the service.
1: You know, and again, this is another first half where even though there were a couple attempt, you know, a couple attempted shots that were blocked, no shots on goal again, guys, none allowed in that first half. And, you know, again, credit the defense and credit those defenders in the middle of the park, you know, for another solid defensive effort in the first 45 minutes of a match.
0: Well, yeah, you knew there was going to be a bounce-back effort after allowing three goals to Los Dos on Friday. Uh, Patrice really doesn't like to see those kinds of numbers. He's a very defensive-minded guy. Um, So you had a feeling that they were going to come out much stronger against OKC and really lock it down. And uh, the three in the back worked.
1: Uh, did, it did very well. So let's get into the second half of, of play here. And again, you know, Kavon Freder inserts himself in the 48th minute with a shot outside the box uh, that, that Van Ockel had to make a save on. Cortez misses a shot in the 40 and, you know, misses on the 40, 49th minute. Again, another missed attempt from Oklahoma City here in the 51st from Jose Angulo. Um, didn't really get much of a shot on frame there. Uh, A missed in the 52nd, you know, again, this is a matter of just solid defensive play again by Phoenix rising, you know, they don't get another shot on goal again until the 65th minute. And even at that, it's an attempt that's blocked. They're not getting anything on the net, you know, so. First substitution comes in for Phoenix Rising in the sixty-seventh minute with Jason Johnson replacing Alessandro Rigi, which I thought was a good move. Um again another attempt blocked in the seventy second minute by the defense. And then unfortunately, Mike Defont goes down to an injury and they've got to bring in uh Devontae DeBose to uh to to cover for him. You could really see that that uh Defont was was not happy picking up that knock and just, you know, he slammed his slammed his, his, his shin guard down on the ground and was knew he was done for the match. You know, good time to bring in, to bring him in, but obviously interjecting Jason Johnson into the match was a big deal. Cause what a, what a uh, left footed shot from him in the 75th for that third goal. I mean, just caught everybody off guard and a great ball and a great ball from Gladstone Owako. I mean, how did, you know not only to get that ball over the top first but for Jason to get the right touch on it and just freeze van ockel van, uh, van ockel and just
0: floors it past him for the three nothing lead yeah that was so well taken i think i think van ockel i think most of the defenders were expecting him to put it on his right foot and then he just takes it really quick before anyone really expects it and the placement on that shot it was just really really unstoppable um you know you would in some weeks say that's a goal of the week but we had a lot to choose from this week it just seemed <laughs> hard for the course <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah no it does it, and i mean it was it was a well-worked goal and the, the ball from Iwaka was was beautiful also but um, i mean as you said Dominic, there is a lot of competition it seems for the goal of the week this week
1: yeah, that, that, that there are a lot of lot of different uh, choices to choose from. And we'll, there will obviously be another one we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, as you roll on further in this match, Jason Johnson gets another shot attempt in the 79th minute. Uh, Oklahoma City counters with an attack that Christian Valeski uh, misses wide on his attempt. Uh, Justin Chavez misses in the 85th minute for Oklahoma City. Again, taking shots, but they're not, you know, Zach Lubin's not having anything to do, you know, get through, you know, we even get into, to stop his time in the second half, Chris Cortez gets a shot in the 91st minute. Jason Johnson gets another shot in the 91st minute, you know, just kept the pressure on and kept the pressure on, you know, Zach Lubin did not have much to do. We close out the match three nil. Clean sheet for Lubin in his first game of the season, uh, third clean sheet of the season for the team. Um, a solid effort all the way around. A solid road game played. Three definitely important points, and we all know the trouble we've had playing in uh, Oklahoma City in the past, and it obviously didn't show in this one, guys.
0: Yeah, and I no.
2: Oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to say it didn't. I mean, we we look like a. A complete team, I think, and even even with that formation change, you know, I mean, it, I think this is one of those games that, yeah, it is good to experiment with the formation coming up against a maybe a lesser opponent, but to see it go so well, and you know, no shots on goal with the three-man back line—that's that's just awesome, and uh, I think we'll see that more moving forward.
0: Yeah, and just a couple numbers that I love from this match. Uh, You compare these shots. Oklahoma City has 11 shots, but zero on target. Phoenix Rising, 18 shots, 10 on target. So they're just pounding, peppering the Oklahoma City net. And if you put that many shots on target, you're going to get some going in. That's so impressive, like the difference in class between 10 shots on target versus zero. You just don't see that kind of domination very often. Uh, Another thing that was pretty impressive... 12 shots inside the box to six for them. So a lot of our chances were coming close to the goal. We were working the ball well, getting into those dangerous areas. And one other number I love, 37 clearances for us, only 11 for OKC. That means our back three was taking care of business. And I have to hand it to Mike Defont. He has taken some real strides, and it seems like he's getting in the right place more and more on those crosses, on those set pieces. Uh, he is really I know I was tough on him at the beginning of the season, but he's really coming to his own lately.
1: well, you, you know, DeFont has really stepped up his game, and especially playing in the center of that that back line. You know we were we were very concerned becoming you know, coming into the beginning of the season, wondering who was going to pair with uh, Duigi Mala to be that guy that was going to stand up back there. And you know, sure enough, you know Mike Defont has really answered the call and and you know, has definitely been one of the un- unsung heroes of this team as the season has gone on. You know, we look at guys, you know, who whose effort, you know, we, we expected Joe Farrell to be the guy coming in all this time, you know, to be that center back that was going to provide the, uh, you know, provide that that effort back there. But, you know, not knowing what we were going to get from Mike Defont, boy, we've we've been pleasantly surprised by the effort he's given us this year.
0: And I'll tell you one other name that that I think deserves a lot of respect is James Musa. He has been clutch. He played for us the full 90 against OKC, the full 90 against Tulsa, the second half against Los Dos. Is it a coincidence that no goals from open play have been conceded in that stretch? This guy, he is physical. He gets those clearances. He makes those tackles when you need to make them. He is just a rock back there. Um You know, the way that like Duigi Mal was in the later part of last year, except Musa hasn't been picking up cards. So he's really been solid. I mean, him and Defont are just so solid back there. And I don't think these were names that either of us, that any of us thought were going to be regular starters. But the way they've played these last few matches, they are just absolute fixtures in the starting 11. And I think James Musa is what allows us to play three at the back.
2: I think you're right there, Dominic. I think he has the ability to to hold down that back line. And like you said, he was just he's been a beast back there with his ability to sh- kind of just uh, shut any play down from the other team. Um, this this will be interesting to see moving forward because I mean, if if we're able to you know have three man back line like this, maybe we don't need to look at uh, picking up a new center back. I just think that right now, I think Carterone's happy with the team that he has, and I think that uh, he might just be be uh, be content with this three man back line. Yeah, hard to argue he, with the yeah.
1: results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it is. It is hard to argue, you know. And you know, you make a you make a great point, Dominic, in saying you know, ever since James Musa, James Musa came in in the second half of that Los Dos match. 45 minutes there they didn't concede a goal. 90 minutes here, you know, against Oklahoma City, they don't allow a goal. I mean, I I think there is something to that fact and you know, he was such a strong influence, you know, on the back line in Swope Park Rangers last year. I think you know, that was a big part of why Swope, you know, ended up playing as well as they did all season long. In part was because of James Musa.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. He's kind of one of those guys that uh, you don't really think about too much. Yeah. Well, let's
1: put uh, let's put Oklahoma City in the rear view now. Let's move on to uh, Saturday night's match against uh, Tulsa Roughnecks. Obviously. Stayed with pretty much the same formation as they did in Oklahoma City. Only change on the back line was Mala came in uh, in place of Joe Farrell. I was really surprised to see Mike DeFont make the start. Only for the simple reason when you saw the injury that happened to him, you know, on Wednesday night. You're thinking, you know, he's probably not going to be in shape to to see, you know, to see the field on Saturday. But sure enough, you know, a full 90 minutes for Mike DeFont on Saturday playing that back line. Um, you saw, you know, them stay with the same middle four. You know, they changed the middle four up a little bit this time, going with Debose and uh, Amadou Dia making his insertion back into the lineup from his two-game suspension uh, out wide. And then you had uh, Colin Fernandez, uh, Kevon Lambert in the middle, and then you had a front three of uh, Solomon Asante, Jason Johnson, Didier Drogba, Drogba making his uh, reinsertion into the lineup Saturday night. Obviously, not playing Wednesday with Oklahoma City having that turf field over uh, at Taft Stadium there. So, um, obviously, you know Didier doesn't play on those types of surfaces, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. So, but I uh, uh, wow, four minutes into the match and is one nothing Didier Drogba. <laughs> What
0: else can you say about the beginning of that other than wow? (laughs) Well, I think the uh, wow has to go to that Tulsa defender who just completely fluffed his lines trying to clear that ball. Um, I don't know if that was, I think that was Morton, Josh Morton that that swung and missed on that ball. But I mean, if you give Drogba that kind of an opportunity, he's going to score that every single time, so I mean, good on Drogba for taking advantage and getting a shot even before the goal. But, I mean, that was kind of a gift.
1: Yeah, that, that was an early gift. Um, but, unfortunately, we turned that gift uh, right around back to, to Tulsa. Unfortunately, Colin Fernandez, uh, reactionary move, puts his hands up by his face to, to make sure he doesn't get creamed by a ball. Unfortunately, the ball hits his hand and uh, awarded a penalty kick and, And Fernando Arce steps right up and slots it to the bottom right-hand side uh, of Zach Lubin. And and right away, 10 minutes, 11 minutes into the
0: match, it's 1-1. I'm pretty curious here because there have been very mixed reactions. Do you think that was the right call, awarding that penalty kick?
1: I do. um, Only in the sense of, you know... You see other times where guys will put their hands, you know, above their face, you know, as as a free kick is coming in. But see and at that point, they're establishing that position. Unfortunately, you know when Colin Fernandez goes from arms down by his side to bringing his hands up by his face, that's obviously movement instead of, you know, setting it up there already, letting it happen. And I think in that situation, if hands are up there already, they're they're not going to call, uh, a penalty on that because they've already established that position.
0: That's probably the most reasonable defense for it I've heard. Um Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, cuz we ran a we're running a poll right now that's very split.
2: <laughs> I mean, I I think Jeff's dead on there. I think that that's probably how the referee saw it. He was looking at it from the standpoint that Colin Fernandez moved his hand up there rather than it being in an established posi- position. I mean, it was a tough call. Um, but I mean, you have to say it, it was the right call due to the letter of the law, but it was, it's one of those that some refs are going to call it and some aren't, you know? So you never, it's, it's difficult to to say that 100% that's a penalty because you, we've seen that sometimes that's not going to be called and play will continue. So it, it was a tough call to go against us. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would have to say it, it is a penalty just because if I saw that happen to, against Phoenix, like another defender from one of our balls, I would want a penalty called. So, I mean, I can't be biased in that way.
0: <laughs> that's pretty fair. I mean, personally, I don't think it should have been called because... If your arms are extended above your head, that's very obviously under natural position. If it's extended outside your body, you got to call that. And I, I mean, you can't really fault the ref. The ref had the perfect angle here. Uh, we took a screenshot on the Rising as one page. You can see this in the uh, replies to that poll. Uh, but But if you also see that screenshot, you see like one of his hands is down at his midsection and the other one, is right in front of his face. So I guess in lifetime, it looks like he's moving his hands in an unnatural way. But like, if you just look at where the ball hit him, his hands right in front of his face, it's not like outstretched. Like he's trying to stop a ball. He's just trying to protect himself in case yeah. it hits him really hard. So I maybe by the letter of the law, that's a PK, but it's not like the spirit of it is to punish a player for, interfering with a ball that would be goal bound or would be going in a dangerous spot. And he was just protecting himself from getting creamed in the face. And, I, I, you know, like, and then you see like much more obvious handballs not get called. So that's, it's kind of frustrating. Personally, I think that's too close and you shouldn't call it. And like my take on PKs is that it should be a pretty obvious violation for it to be a PK, but yeah, you, you can't be too upset, I guess it and ultimately it doesn't end up mattering but
1: yeah obviously it doesn't you know because we'll we'll get into that further um you know but at least phoenix rising staying on the front foot jason johnson gets a miss in the 15th minute kevon lambert gets a miss in the 25th minute didier drogba has a shot blocked in the 25th minute um jason johnson misses in the 27th uh you get Van Lambert misses in the 26th. I mean, you can see that the pressure is keeping on. Didier Drogba in the 33rd gets a shot that, you know, off a free kick that misses to the right. Solomon Asante gets a shot on goal on the 35th. You know, you just see the pressure building. Uh, Drogba in the 38th. Defont gets a header in the 30, 39th. Drogba, uh, Mala misses a he- misses a shot in the 39th. Defont gets a shot in the 44th. Uh, that, that missed. Devontae Debose gets a shot, in the forty-fifth. You could just see the pressure building. Pressure building. You know, again, other than the penalty kick goal, we're not allowing anything. You know, back to Zach Lubin. Zach Lubin not having to do very much uh, uh, work on the back line. You know, get into the half, one-one. Okay. You know, we we you know we kind of chunked a couple of efforts that could have been a little bit better. You know, we had a couple of good shots that that were saved, but for the most part, 1-1 on the road. Okay, good effort in the first 45. Your guys' thoughts.
0: I guess I was just kind of, at the time, pretty upset that we weren't winning at halftime um, because we had a lot of great chances. That Kavon Lambert won in the 26th minute. It was just a bad giveaway by Tulsa and it. He had some goal to work with if he didn't miss just a few inches over the bar. That could have been a really good goal. Uh, Even that play off the corner kick where um, Kavan, or not Kavan Lambert, but I think Duigi Mala almost like scissor kicked it in. That would have been an amazing finish. But that one was very close. And there was a Didier Drogba free kick that the goalie Serda pushed out for a corner. If he, you know, just blocks it but it stays in the field. There were two rising players running on for the rebound. You know, just things like that. It felt like we definitely had the better chances. And and the goal that they scored was just, you know, maybe it was a PK, maybe not. It just, it all felt like we should have been winning. But we were playing well. And I felt pretty good about something going right in the second half.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we played we played very well. And I... I think I, I agree with Dominic. I don't think a one-one tie or draw at halftime was the deserved result for Phoenix at the time. I think we d- definitely deserved to be up, and that penalty. Yeah, I mean, it it probably shouldn't have happened. But I mean, me and Dominic were talking last week, and we were saying a draw in Tulsa wouldn't have been the worst result. So from that standpoint. I wasn't worried at halftime. I, I We saw very good things from our attack in the first half, so my feeling was, yeah, we're tied right now, but there's still plenty left in this game for us to take it over and to get the win. Um, didn't see too much from Tulsa in the first half showing that they would try to mount a second-half comeback or that they'd be able to. So, I mean, it, yeah, it was a bummer to be tied at halftime, but it also, it's not a situation where I was worried about it. It was kind of just, okay, let's get the second half going. Let's get more opportunities and put it in the back of the net. So, um,
1: yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, as we start the second half of play, uh, you could definitely see that, that the pressure the uh, Phoenix Rising was putting on was just continuing. Didier Drogba misses a free kick in the 48th minute. Mike DeFont hits a shot in the 50th minute that uh, Fabian Serda makes a save on. Solomon Asante in the 53rd gets a shot on that's blocked. Mike DeFont gets another shot in the 55th that's saved. Drogba misses another free kick uh, in the 56th minute. Um, And then finally, Tulsa gets a couple of shots on. uh, Emanja Vukovic in the 58th. Joaquin Rivas in the 60th uh, that both miss uh, wide. And then Solomon Asante in the 60th gets a shot on that uh, misses to the left. Uh, which all leads up to the to the second Phoenix Rising goal in the 66-minute. Kavon Lambert, right shot, right foot shot uh, off of that corner. You know, off of that corner kick. Everybody on Tulsa's side was was arguing for uh, you know for an offside call, but obviously you could see they're not looking at the offside after the fact that it hits off the post. He's still on side when Solomon Asante gets a header on that and it hits the post, and I think that's where Tulsa players were thrown off with the fact that even though Johnson was behind, or I'm sorry, Kevon Lambert was behind them, he was still on side when Asante headed it onto the post, and by that point, they've got you know they've got no argument at that point.
0: You know. I'm actually going to go against you here because I I didn't get a chance to see it in slow motion until, you know, right before we went on air. But I was watching the highlights and uh, just stopped it right when Asante (laughs) was heading the ball. And Lambert was past the last defender. I think that was number 14 for Tulsa. He was past that guy, you know, unless there was a, a Tulsa defender off the screen somewhere it looked like Pavon actually was offside. Um, It's interesting though. I mean, that's a tough one to get. And, you know, at the end of the day, it feels like karma or poetic justice for the penalty. Was it a penalty or not? You know, sometimes things even out in soccer. And I I think that was a good example of that.
2: Yeah, you're right, Dominic. I I think that's, I think that that's totally the case there. Maybe it was a little bit of karma. Um, It's it's tough to tell, even from the slow motion from that angle, exactly where he was in relation to the defender. But I was talking to Jeff earlier. I don't think that Tulsa can blame the loss on this goal because I I think no matter what, Phoenix was going to come back and score. Um, I don't think this really changed the result. So,
1: yeah. And it definitely, you know, it definitely, in in Tulsa's eyes, it, it, this is the change of the match, obviously, because you are coming off of that, you know, you come off of this goal, and it's two, you're now you're now two one down, and then it's just three minutes later, and the floodgates open. Didier Drogba, um, wow, <laughs> uh, forty yards out again, and just another brilliant strike by the forty year old. Uh, unbelievable movement on this ball. I watched that thing knuckle halfway through and I can understand why Fabian Serta had trouble, you know, stopping this ball. I mean, once it got about, I'd say, you know, eight to 10 yards away from Serta, you could just kind of sort of see that ball kind of just take a little slight movement. And I think it threw him off and, and wow, ripping it in the upper 90. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they're running a poll on the USL website. Uh, which free kick was better, last night or the one in L.A. last year?
0: I would probably say the one last year, but, I mean, that's a very tough choice. <laughs> that,
2: that is tough, and I I don't know. I, I might go with Dominic, I think, maybe the one in L.A. last year. Um, I think that was more a bigger moment, and being in L.A., but, I mean, it was... There was a lot of movement on that ball, as you said, Jeff. And I I saw on Twitter, there was a a lot of people criticizing Fabian Serda, the goalkeeper, in that situation. But to those people, I would just challenge them to get in between the sticks against Didier Drogba. And let's see how you fare. Because everyone's (laughs) going to be a critic until you're in those shoes. So, I, I yeah, I mean, it's just... That's Drogba's quality, even at 40. You know, he hasn't lost it. It's still there. So, uh, yeah, it's just something that you love to sit back and enjoy.
0: Yeah, just I would recommend anyone go watch the highlights. Put this goal on like 0.5 or 0.25 speed on YouTube and just watch the way the ball dances. Right around like 15 yards from net, that thing just starts dancing. And I can tell you, as a keeper that is a damn nightmare like that is that is terrifying when that ball starts dancing like that because that's when you know they hit it perfect and you're just you're just praying you can get enough of a hand on that to knock it over there's no way you're gonna look good when the ball starts dancing like that yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that's definitely for sure you're not gonna see that well, we saw the introduction of Cody Wakasa into the lineup in the in the 72nd minute for Devonte Debose. Uh, again, another solid effort from Devonte. Uh, you know, moving up from from playing in the back three to, to playing that right hand side on on the on the midfield. Another solid effort from him again. Um, you saw Colin Fernandez get a shot in the 75th minute that was saved by Fabian Cerda. Uh Then you saw. Uh, Finally, you get another attempt from Tulsa in the 78th minute from Vukovic uh, from 40 yards out. That was high and wide. Jason Johnson gets a shot in the 79th uh, that just missed to the left. And then next minute, uh, Phoenix Rising extends the lead to four to one. Cody Wakasa picks up his first professional goal on a shot uh, from uh, on a pass from Colin Fernandez. What a great uh, what a great ball into him and Cody you know, with a great finish and it's great to see him pick up his first professional goal.
0: Yeah. Awesome run by Wakasa. Good find by Fernandez. And I think Phoenix rising tweeted out, you know, the whole buildup for that play. I think Didier Drogba chested down a long ball. There were a couple nice passes. Drogba fed it out to the wing to get it started. It's just so well worked all the way around. And you don't, you don't see too many wingbacks have that kind of composure. So great finish by Wakasa, his first professional goal.
2: No, no, you don't see that kind of finish. And it was, it was surprising because, I mean, we haven't always seen those teamworked goals. We've kind of seen more individual efforts or uh, one, two passes. So to see that kind of, you know, movement on the ball and off the ball in the box. Um, It's just awesome. And, I mean, you're just so happy for Cody Wakasa to get that first goal, you know, get the monkey off his back, and hopefully we can see more going forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we saw the introduction of Chris Cortez into the lineup in the 83rd minute for Didier Drogba. Obviously a great effort from Didier as as usual, you know, two goals uh, on the night. Um, But uh, bringing in Chris Cortez, you know, he makes his – makes his, his, his addition into the lineup shown four minutes later off of a corner kick from Amadou Dia right to Chris Cortez, who heads it uh, into the bottom right-hand corner and extends the Phoenix Rising lead to 5-1. Again, off of another set piece. This is this is four goals on the weekend off of set pieces. I mean, you can't ask for anything better uh, than, than
0: scoring that many goals off of set pieces on an entire weekend. No. And a, and a great finish there by Cortez too. I mean, uh, ever since that first match against Oklahoma city, he had been, you know, struggling to find the score sheet. So to get up there for a good header like that, that's fantastic to see. Although again, what is the Tulsa defense doing leaving the tallest player on the pitch open like that? I, I don't, I don't know what was going through their minds. Um, you know, Morton had a game to forget for Tulsa. That center back, um, but you know, still credit where credit's due. Cortez put it in a perfect spot, and I think he even tried another shot after that.
1: Yeah, uh, that I he think. that he did uh, in the 89th minute. He had a shot from about 35 yards out, which is a little bit too uh, <laughs> too high. Uh, time, you know, the time pretty much ran out. Only two minutes of stoppage time and and uh phoenix made it look real simple 5-1 win uh eight bowls on the weekend uh they are now the uh top scoring team in the league uh with with this effort over the weekend uh you know i you know the boys are ever since the the first half of that la game when they were down 3-1 they seem to have have found uh whatever mojo they had lost in that first half of that match because Boy, they are just they are on a roll when it comes to scoring goals at this point. They are. And,
2: I mean, we, we were talking about it, how, how maybe our offense had stalled a little bit. We were only seeing one or two goals a game. But, I mean, that has not been the case as of late. We've seen this, uh, this potent attack that we talked about all preseason. And it's great to finally see the, the rewards. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we see more of this going forward
0: definitely definitely and and the highest scoring team in the USL now that's just so so impressive uh, especially because 2 weeks ago we were like are they scoring enough goals what's going on and <laughs> yeah it's changed, it pretty changed quickly. really yeah. fast <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah yep that is for sure so that takes us through the the two matches played this past week let's move forward now to two matches this week the first of which Starts Wednesday night in the U.S. Open Cup, the second round of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, uh, with a matchup against crosstown rival Sporting AZ. uh, Sporting AZ, a UPSL league team who uh, last week defeated FC Arizona 1 0 uh, in the first round of the U.S. Uh, A second half goal by captain John Goose. Uh, gave them the victory at uh, Mesa Community College and moved them on to the second round where they'll play Phoenix Rising. Uh, this game will be played at Campo Verde High School out in Gilbert uh, with, with Sporting Asia being the hosts of the match. Um, tickets are very inexpensive, folks. $10 for adults, $5 for children ages 6 to 12. We strongly suggest if you have any opportunity to get out to this match Wednesday night, Please go and take the effort to go out there and go watch these teams play. Um, Sporting A Z definitely has worked their butts off to be able to be in this point. Um, you've got some names of interest, the people you know locally that are playing for this club. Obviously, Andrew Weber, the goalkeeper, uh, number one for sure, uh, is is definitely that one of their top players. Soccer uh, uh, fans. Of, of Dominic Papa, who spent a lot of time down in FC Tucson, also played high school up here. You know, up up here in in the Phoenix area, and obviously fans of, of, of Arizona United would will remember Tony Cassio and the time he spent here with the club. So obviously some names of interest that that this club has. They've definitely put the effort in to to get to the second round. Obviously this should not be a match that you know Phoenix Rising. Should Take lightly, even though a number of times they've played in closed-door sessions and have easily defeated Sporting AZ, you know, while, you know, this is the Open Cup and things can happen in the Open Cup, and we've seen it happen to us a number of times. You know, let's not take them lightly, but then again, this should be a solid, we should be able to put out a solid enough team to easily advance to the third round of the Open Cup.
0: yeah um i mean hats off to sporting for defeating fc arizona last week that was a pretty hotly contested match and um you know i think most rising fans would prefer that we get to play sporting as opposed to fc arizona um with fc arizona maybe there's a little bit more bad blood so with sporting az maybe it's a more friendly kind of rivalry match and uh Hopefully, this is a chance for a lot of guys. Devin Vega, um, Ricci, some of the guys that haven't been starting too much to get a chance and perform pretty well.
2: Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, we see we see a little bit of rotation. Yeah, see some players. Freighter, Vega. Um, Dallas you know, J. Dallas yeah. J, exactly. Who, have, who haven't really played as much. Um, and I mean, just... I think this is the first match that Phoenix Rising will have played against another local team here in in the Valley in Phoenix. So you know this will the first official match. So this will be huge just for just for that. And hopefully we can uh, start this off by moving on to the next round.
1: Yeah, you know, and some other teams of note. Uh, you know, as far as the Open Cup is concerned, uh, obviously Phoenix Rising's uh, uh, minor club in FC Tucson. Uh, got through its first round with a 2-1 victory over La Maquina, um, and move on to the second round. And they'll face Las Vegas Lights FC uh, in the second round up in Las Vegas. Uh, they'll play that match uh, not at not at uh, Las Vegas's home on Cash, at Cashman Field, but they'll play at the uh, UNLV's uh, soccer complex up there. Uh, In Las Vegas, but you know a great opportunity again for FC Tucson to have that opportunity to to once again advance further in the US Open Cup tournament. Um, Obviously, it'll be interesting to see how they pair teams, uh, you know, for the third round If that, you know, if that happens, you know, you could look at a possible you know, if, if whether FC Tucson or Las Vegas wins in the second round, you could see Phoenix Rising playing one of those teams in the third round. You could see also Phoenix Rising playing either Portland Timbers U23s or Reno 1868 as those two teams face off uh, in the second round of the Open Cup. You could see, you know, there's, there's some California teams that are still uh, in there. there. You've also got uh, Colorado Springs switchbacks who are playing FC Denver, um, you know, so you know there's some definitely some interesting second round matchups out there. Um, the other the other interesting note of the open Cup, two of the three teams uh, that were from the former NASL uh, advanced into the second round of the tournament as Jacksonville Armada FC uh, won their fir- won their uh, opening round match and then won their first round match. and then also uh, miami uh, FC Miami City uh, won their match and was able to move on. Uh <coughs> excuse me into the second round. Um Dominic, I know you mentioned earlier there's a there's a Nashville Derby that's going to happen uh, between a couple of teams there. Uh, there's a there's a a bar type kind of team in NX and NTX Rayados uh, playing Oklahoma City Energy uh in the second round. I mean it's uh, especially as the way is Oklahoma city's playing, I don't know that I would take a, a, a sixth tier uh, bar team league lightly at this point. Um, they could become the, the FC Christos uh, per se of, of, of this tournament. Ha- if they can pull off the, the major upset there in the second round, but there's definitely some, some interesting things to watch and uh, go to the Cup.us uh, to follow all the information about the Lamar hunt uh, open cup. Uh, I know Dominic, you'll be heading out there Wednesday night to watch this match and cover it for uh, Firebird Soccer. So uh, I know you'll have a great seat to to watch this match on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to get out there, see what Sporting AZ, what the experience is like, and uh, say hi to Kyle Kepner over there, uh, since he's working with that club now. Uh, longtime contributor for Firebird Soccer um, back when it was you know Arizona Wolves or Phoenix Wolves, Arizona United, and Phoenix Rising up until now, so that'll be nice, and, you know, for $10 a ticket and five for kids, this is a great way to get the family out there and just see a fun match, uh, see what it's like at the local level and just support local soccer, because most of these guys at that level, they're pretty ordinary people, I mean, this is a big stage for them, and, uh, you know, any chance to support that is a good one, in my opinion. So looking forward to it.
1: Definitely, definitely, it'll be an interesting. And then obviously, uh, the, the comeback match Saturday night, uh, back at home. Uh, this is definitely going to be an interesting match. Uh, two of the top teams, again, in the Western Conference facing off. You have... Uh, Phoenix Rising hosting Sacramento Republic. Uh, you know, tough, tough loss for Sacramento Republic uh, this week, taking taking one on the chin three two to to Reno FC. Uh, obviously, the you know a couple of players to watch there. Cameron Awasa leads the team in goals with four on the season. Christian Iseli has two goals on the season. Uh, Vilian Bijev is another player to watch for them. Um, definitely, you know. They're they're a strong, solid team. Always give us troubles. Um, return of Josh Cohen uh, to Phoenix. Obviously, a lot of a lot of fans will will definitely be uh, watching him. And you know, I I don't expect that Saturday match to be a very easy match, guys.
2: No, I, I don't either. I think I think they're going to be one of the toughest opponents we've come up against yet this season. Um, and yeah, the return of Josh Cohen, I'll be nice. Um, hopefully he doesn't have too great of a night. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this match, I mean, I feel like the result against Reno definitely helped us. You know, we have three points up on, uh, on Sacramento now, but this match still matters. I think when it comes down to it and the, <clears throat> coming towards the postseason. um, if we're able to collect a win or even a draw, it could be it could be valuable. So we we definitely need to get something out of this match against a opponent that's so close to us in the standings. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a should be a good performance and hopefully a good crowd too. I think that a lot of people will come out for this match because it's going to be a hotly contested one.
0: I agree, especially with Sam Door teasing a giveaway for this match that's supposed to be. Very, very fun. Um, something, though, about Sacramento that I think bodes well for us, I feel like they haven't been in the best form the last few weeks. They started very strong this season, but, you know, only four points in their last four matches. There's a draw with Tulsa in there. Uh, there's a loss to Timbers, two. They managed to get by Sounders, two, but only by a 2-1 scoreline. And then they blew a two-goal lead against Reno. Um, you know two goal lead in the 56th minute and they concede three goals in five minutes this is a match I feel like we can and should win I feel a lot more confident about this one than Monarchs or Swope coming to town and I think it's because Sacramento I think they were overachieving a little bit at the beginning of the season a lot of their wins were one goal pretty close wins and I think They've definitely taken a step or two back, and I, especially away from home, I think this is a match we can win. We beat them three-one at the Rising Soccer Complex last year, but then they took it to us two-nil in Sacramento. So we'll see. It should be a fun match.
1: Yeah, that it should be a very fun match. So it's kind of uh, before before we go into the the. Uh the scores for the week i know we've touched on it a bunch here but let's just take a step back for a second and let's talk about this change to the 3-4-3 formation the last uh, couple of games that we've seen your guys' thought as if we see this going forward or is this something that we may have experimented with because we knew the type of talent that was out there and that we could exploit certain things. Do you think we'd see this similar type of three back formation as Sacramento comes in? Or do you think we go back to a normal four man back uh, with, with Sacramento coming to town this week?
0: I, I like it. Um, I think we have a lot of players that had been playing you know, in the f- traditional four defender lineup, as you know, right back, left back, but a lot of these guys have wing back capabilities. Guys like a Victor Vasquez, Cody Wakasa, Amadou Dia, Devonte Debose. These are all players that can play in higher positions and get involved on the other half of the field. And now that we have James Musa just holding it down, we have DeFont, who's just been a stud the last few matches. And then you can take your pick with Duigi Mala, Joey Farrell, those traditional center back types. Now you actually have like a really strong back three and a lot more attacking prowess because then you can bring these guys who are, you know, more attack minded, but they played defense out of necessity. Now you can get them more involved up up front and it just gives you more, more options with starting lineups. I mean, we were able to start Wakasa and Vazquez on Wednesday and neither of them were playing in a defensive position and they both ended up having really positive impacts. I, I really like the back three. I don't know if it's something we should do every match, but I love the flexibility it gives us and I, I can see us using it, you know, especially in Open Cup or against, you know, lower teams in the USL. Yeah, I, I
2: really like it too, Dominic. I think that uh, I think that it allows us to play off of our strengths, which is our attack. Um, I think even our defensive players, like we were talking about, Cody Wakasa, Victor Vasquez, Devonte Debose, and Amadou Dia. All of them are defensive players, but they all have the ability to get forward and create something offensively. So being able to unleash them and rely on that three-man back line. And, I mean, we've seen that three-man back line hasn't given up really anything. So I think that, yeah, we do see this going forward. I mean, I personally would like to. I think it allows us to play a more attractive football than we had been playing. Um, But I also think that tactically maybe sometimes we will need to switch it up against the real Monarchs. I don't know if we see a three-man back line just due to the danger that they present. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love it just because it makes us a more attacking team, which is, which is more fun to watch. But, you know, having three at the back could also lead to some stressful situations. So I think going forward, um, we will see it, but I think it won't be day in and day out. I think it'll vary by our opponent.
1: Sounds good. Uh, some great comments there from both of you guys. So we'll move on to uh, some scores of interest for the week uh, from the Western Conference. Obviously, a, a crowded schedule Wednesday, crowded schedule Saturday this week. Um, some Definitely some good results as far as Phoenix Rising was concerned. Uh, as far as Wednesday goes, a couple of draws. Tulsa Reno played to a 1-1 draw. Fresno and Rio Grande Valley played to a 1-1 draw. How about
0: 2-2, actually?
1: I'm sorry, 2-2 draw with Fresno and Rio Grande. That's right. Um, talk about this result, though. Real Monarchs getting a 4-1 win over Swope. That was a really surprising score line to me. Um, Belmar gets an early goal uh, for for Swope to get it started, but a pair of goals from Kalen Ryden, uh, a goal from Mare, and then an, an own goal by, by Evans. Uh, made it a 4-1 victory for Real Monarchs. I expect this to be a lot closer game than what it really was.
0: Yeah. um, What can you say about Monarchs? They're the real deal. They picked up right where they left off. Last year, they had an 11-match win streak, I think. I don't know if it was unbeaten or win streak, but I think it was a win streak because it was the longest in USL history. Um, And they're, they're, they're right back at it again. I think they're one of the two or three teams we should be legitimately concerned about in the Western Conference. And, you know, hats off to them for just taking it, taking it to Swope. I mean, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that they did, Dominic. And I I, I do think that they're they're – Part, probably our biggest competition as far as the Western Conference uh, Championship this year. Um, they've just, you know, they've found a way to make that mix of uh, academy players and established USL players, and you know, they've been they've been having a great time with it. So,
1: yeah. Well, I, the other interesting result on Wednesday, um, I think Phoenix Rising awoke a sleeping giant. Uh, I like Galaxy 2 goes out and puts six on St. Louis, a pair of hat tricks, uh, one by Ethan Zubak, and uh, one by 15-year-old Efrain Alvarez. I mean, wow, guys. I, I didn't expect six from them. That's for sure.
2: No, no. And it, and it makes our, our, our 3-1 deficit at halftime in that game at home – not look so bad you know i think i think that uh la has definitely flipped a switch and they've found their goal scoring ability and yeah for for alvarez to get get a hat trick you know at the professional level at 15 years old hats off to him and you know just look forward to seeing more from him in the future
0: yeah i think they had a lot of young pieces that were struggling to come together beginning of the season and Maybe that was part of the issue for them last year, too. But they've had one of the youngest teams in USL for a couple seasons. And now you start seeing these guys start to click. And Efren Alvarez, I mean, he was the kid that put in that screamer last week against us. Now he puts a hat trick on St. Louis. St. Louis is a very defensive-minded team, too. You look at most of their scores, they're winning 1-0s, getting 1-1 draws, 0-0 draws. So for them to put six on St. Louis, that's a statement right there. That is a big-time statement. Um, This match was pretty close up into the last 20 minutes, uh, 3-2 after St. Louis had pulled one back, but, you know, just relentless attacking from Los Dos. Um, Alvarez wrapped up his hat-trick in the 75th minute to make it 5-2. St. Louis pulls one back. I think kyle gregg got two goals for the visitors but then zubak gets his hat trick right at the end of it so um just very impressive stuff maybe los dos can make an outside run at the playoffs i mean they are definitely they're definitely behind it right now but you know maybe they can make some noise and at least be a spoiler for a lot of teams
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you see the the effort the last couple of weeks from them. I mean, they're starting they're starting to put some pieces together. Will they have enough to get them there in the end? Uh, we're just gonna have to see how it how it shakes out. But so we'll move on to some other scores. Friday night, Colorado Springs got a one nothing victory over Las Vegas Lights FC, and then we move into that re, uh, action on Saturday. Uh, Real Monarchs got a one 0 win over Fresno. Uh, Portland Timbers two is su- slightly surprising everybody now. They got a they got a one nothing win over Seattle Sounders two, which has really propelled them up in the standings. Um, Rio Grande and San Antonio played to a nil nil draw, which was kind of a surprise there. Uh, Orange County played to a one one draw with St Louis, and then you know we we talked about it a little bit. You know in the in the preview of Sacramento that it was a three two win for Reno over Sacramento, but. Dominic, you were talking about a couple of those goals that really caught your attention in that match.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're thinking Sacramento's up 2-0 at halftime. I saw that, and I didn't even check in on that game again for, like, four or five hours. I'm like, oh, that's that's done. I'm not even going to look for updates. But, <laughs> you know, I see all of a sudden three goals change the game. Uh, the first one comes from Paul Marie in the 57th. And it's a very Messi-esque goal. Kind of just dribbling the ball. nice past a couple defenders. And he's at the top of the box. I think everyone thought he was going to take another touch. Instead he just kind of like passes the ball into the net. And catches everyone off guard. Including Josh Cohen. Perfectly placed into the bottom left corner. And all of a sudden you have a game again. And then you know it doesn't take long for them to equalize through Brian Brown. And then Mohamed Theo. An absolute class goal in the 62nd minute that ended up being the winner. Um, He gets the ball on the edge of the box. And he just put a great shot into the top corner. Um, Incredible touch on that shot. Uh, Cohen was able to get a piece of it, but not enough. And you're going to want to watch that one. It's definitely going to be a nominee for, you know, goal of the week because of how it was placed. And that's a huge, huge win for Reno. Um, All of a sudden, they are tied with San Antonio now. They're in the middle of that playoff chase. And, you know, maybe they're putting some things together. It was definitely nice to play them early in the season when they were still struggling a bit.
1: Yeah, that gives them a, a five-match unbeaten string now, two wins and three draws in that in that uh, stretch that, that's gotten them back in the standings. So let's go to the Western Conference standings at the end of this week. Uh, it's Real Monarchs at the top, 22 points off of nine matches played. Phoenix Rising sits second now, 21 points off of 10 matches played. It's Sacramento in third at 18 points off of 10. And then we have a log jam at 4th for 17 points with Orange County SC and Portland Timbers 2. Uh, Orange County holds the 4th spot currently with Portland in 5th. Swope Park Rangers falls to 6th with the loss, uh, 15 points on 9 matches. And then 7th is Colorado Springs with 14 points off of 11 matches. And it's St. Louis FC right now in the 8th spot with 14 points off of 10 matches holding the final playoff spot. As you move to the bottom half of the table, it's San Antonio in ninth with 13 points off of nine matches, Reno in 10th at 13 points off of 10 matches. It's Fresno in 11th with 12 points off of 11 matches. Uh, Las Vegas Lights FC is 12th, 10 points off of 8 matches played. It's Rio Grande in 13th, 8 points off of 9 matches played. Seattle Sounders 2 in 14th, 7 points off of 9 matches played. LA Galaxy moves up to 15th now with 6 points off of 9 matches played. Rounding out the table at the bottom in 16th, it's Tulsa at 5 points off of 9 matches played. And at the bottom, Oklahoma City Energy three points off of nine matches played with an eight game losing streak now.
0: Oof.
2: Yeah. I mean you feel bad for OKC. It's they just can't seem to get anything going and it's it's tough to watch a team that made it so far in the playoffs last year take such a fall, but you know, it's that sucker sometimes and you know it's you gotta take the good with the bad.
0: I, I don't feel bad for them.
2: yeah i mean everyone's been there at some point you gotta somebody's gotta be bottom of the table so
0: yeah um but i mean you look at it's kind of interesting to see the starts of fresno and las vegas i think both teams were overachieving in the beginning of the season now you're getting into the nitty-gritty of it two matches a week a lot of times and you know these teams are starting to struggle neither team has won a match in their last five and they've fallen out of the top eight. Now they're on the bottom end of the playoff chase. And I think, I think a lot of people were, you know, a little skeptical of Las Vegas this season. And even when they got the early start, some people like, all right, maybe they're real. Let's see. But they went through that tough stretch of matches late April, early May. And it, it started with that loss to San Antonio where they really showed that they just aren't quite there yet. Um, Now, maybe both these teams can rebound as the season moves on, but, you know, right now, it looks like they just, you know, aren't quite at that playoff level um, growing pains, you know. That's something I think Arizona United fans are very well aware of, uh, young franchises struggling in their first season. But, you know, looking at some of the brighter stories, Timbers, too, now at 17 points another big away win they win the cascadia derby over seattle um and reno has really turned around their ship they have nine points from their last five matches after a terrible start um any any other thoughts from you guys No, uh, that you you
1: hit it right on the head i mean those are two of the the definitely uh um... Uh, big changes you know San Antonio has really started to pick up their game as well they've got eight points off of their last four matches so they've really kind of started to turn things around they could be a team that, that uh, you need to watch out for as well um, the the uh, The other interesting team that's kind of started to fall off a little bit too is, is Orange County they've kind of gone through this you know they started the season really hot and now all of a sudden they're kind of a they're kind of teeter in the line, the win, they'll lose, the win, the lose, they picked up a draw, you know, so, so now are they kind of starting starting to, to, to sit in their position where, where we could see, you know, some, some movement of the standings
0: there as well. It's definitely nice to see them start to fall because we are going to play them twice this summer, and I would much rather play Orange County in this kind of form than when they were world beaters early in the season. Um, maybe it's just a testament to how bad these Oklahoma teams are though. I mean, they, they whooped those teams eight to one in their two matches and put the whole league on notice, but then we just beat those teams eight to one in our last two. So maybe, maybe those teams are just that bad. And, uh, it was more that than orange County being awesome, but the, you know, one match that str- that really hurt them was Saturday. They were very close to beating St. Louis they give up an equalizing goal in the last 10 minutes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That result definitely hurt them. And for Phoenix rising fans, it helped us. So, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely would like to see a fall off in their form versus where they were to start the season. Um, we'll see how they're, how they're able to fare here this summer.
0: Should be interesting. Um, are you guys ready to go to supporter section questions at this point?
1: Let's go for it. Yeah.
0: And uh, just a shout out to everyone who has brought their questions in. We've got a few good ones this week. Um, so that's really nice to see. And that's that's on top of the participation in that penalty kick poll. Um, so thank you. Thank you all for responding to that. We have three this week. The first one comes from uh, Nick at N Perrier 12. It's kind of a long one too. Are we a championship team yet? This road trip put some rose-tinted glasses on a team that felt like it still needed some pieces. Do we still need to bring in anyone to reach the next level? I eat center back. With the international window opening, do we bring someone in? Wow, that's an interesting. Um, yeah,
1: I mean. I don't know that you want to take too much like like you just said just a moment ago orange county walked in and put you know put eight on oklahoma city and and tulsa and their two wins against them we just walked in there put eight on them you know is it possibly rose tending glasses yeah possibly could be but i think we're starting to find our form i would like to see us go out and I don't know that we necessarily need another piece offensively. I think if we need another piece at some point here, I think it's going to be defensively just so we could shore things up. I don't think we need to tinker with too much else. really right now, I think it's just a matter of finding the right formations to play at the right times and to use the talent that we have the best that we can. I think that's the way we need to go right now.
2: Yeah, I agree, Jeff. And I, I, I don't even necessarily think that we need to go out and find someone else for our defensive unit. I think we could make it just fine. But to to kind of cement that defensive unit, yes, I mean it would be nice to see us pick up another uh, you know solid big name defender within the USL. But um, I mean, I think that we still. I mean, we still have room to grow. You know, we're a great team, but those two teams that we demolished are bottom of the Western Conference. They're not teams that, you know, We those should have been the expected results. I think that this game against Sacramento, and um, we still need to be very wary of Real Monarchs and their results, and when we play them again. So I think that we could be a championship team. We have the potential. I think it's a little too premature to say that we are one right now, but we... Definitely could be.
0: That's, that's, a, that's the proper take in my opinion. Um, yes, we have nine points from our last three matches, but you look at where those teams are on the table, 15th, 16th, 17th. So we're beating the teams we're supposed to beat. It's what we were talking about earlier in the season. We're, we're taking care of business against those teams, and that's good. We should. You can't control the teams on the schedule. You just beat those teams. But here's where it gets interesting. This Saturday, we host Sacramento. Our next three matches after that, at Swope, at St. Louis, at Sac Republic. I think we're going to have a much better answer to that question. Are we a championship team? After those four matches.
3: I totally agree with you.
0: Right right now, we're looking great. But anyone can look great against that kind of opposition. I want to see us pick up, you know, at least seven points from those four matches. Then I would say we can be a championship team because that's that's our toughest four match stretch of the year.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I mean, that's just, you know, like you said, that's kind of a who's who of of teams that you're going to face in a playoff. You know, Swope Park Rangers, St. Louis FC, which is definitely a defensive minded team. Uh, Sacramento Republic. You know, we're going to see them here twice within a three-week span. I mean, you know, top teams, top talent. You know, and if you can handle your business against the top talent, then you can sit there and go out and say, "Well, yeah, I think now we're a, we're a championship-caliber team." One loss this year. Who did we lose to? We lost to the Monarchs. We know who the best team in the in the Western Conference right now is. You know, we know we need to reach that pinnacle. You know, but I think like you said these next four matches will go a long ways in telling us where we're at
2: yeah yeah I agree you know if if we're able to get positive results from from these matches and to to still be where we are in the standings yeah then we can start you know talking about okay we're we're in this fight for the championship our real uh, competitor is going to be a real monarch so we'll see we'll see what happens over the next month.
0: And just one last thought on the second part of that question. I think we're fine as is, unless someone gets injured. And you never wish for that, but it does happen from time to time. If one or two guys pick up injuries, then I could see us going out and getting like an MLS guy on loan. Maybe a guy that's not getting enough playing time for their MLS squad. Um, but I, I don't think we need to do anything bigger than that. I think we have the pieces in place to make a strong run at it. And it, we would only need to make a signing or two if injuries come up.
2: I second that. I think, I think we have a deep enough squad. We don't need anyone. Um, yeah, injuries are, are an unfortunate part of the game. And if that were to occur, then I think, yeah, we would, we would need to replace whoever it was. But uh, we'll see.
0: Next question comes from Joseph Lowry at Joe and Cleats. And we mostly touched on this, so maybe we can just add a couple thoughts. But what specific ways did the three-four-three benefit the players in contrast to the four at the back formations we've seen in the past?
1: Well, I think obviously the biggest the biggest change that you see is you see, you know, players like Amadou Dia and Victor Vasquez who are on the left hand side, and then Devonte Deboz and. Cody Wakasa who are on the right hand side. You see them pushing up a lot further in the field than you saw uh, when they sit in the back four. That is that's obviously the biggest uh, formation change, you know, when it comes to that. Obviously the other the other big thing is I think that this gives those center midfielders just a little bit more creativity. I mean, when when you have Kavon Lambert And Colin Fernandez sitting is holding mids in a 4 2 3 1, let's say, for example. You know, they're not advancing up the field as much and they're not providing as much extra play, we'll we'll call it that. I mean, the last couple of of games now, you've seen Kavon Lambert definitely moving up the field farther than where he's been playing when he plays that holding mid and is obviously getting himself interjected in more of the play taking more shots feeding more balls in instead of him just kind of trying to be that that kind of glue that holds that that defensive uh, pairing you know together so I think those are the biggest things that you get out of out of this formation change
0: yeah yeah For me, I would say just flexibility. Um, Flexibility to, you know, choose different kind of starting 11s um, because you can play some of those uh, defenders at wing back. And also flexibility in just the way we attack. For so much of the early part of the season, our only successful attacks are coming up the wings and we have to cross the ball in. And now you see on Wednesday and Saturday, there's so much more space in the middle of the park. Space for Kavon Freyda to run past a few defenders and get a great shot. Space for Mike DeFont to put a couple shots on target from outside the box. All this space that wasn't there before. Space for Jason Johnson to score his goal against OKC. Um, you know, space for Cody Wakasa to make an overlapping run on his fourth goal. The We're always going to be able to attack. On the wings with billy forbes and solomon Asante, but now we have the flexibility we can just build through the middle or go out wide it just gives defenses more to think about so for me it's it's flexibility in choosing lineups and we have more options to attack
2: yeah yeah dominic i, I mean same here i think it, it'll make other teams more weary of us it'll make them question exactly what our tactics are going to be against them, and who they might see in the lineup. Um, and, I mean, as far as our players, I think that it gives them something different. You know, it gives them a, a different kind of playing style, and I'm sure some of them enjoy the more attacking playing style with three in the back. Yeah, it maybe puts more pressure on our center backs that are back there, but, I mean, they've so far they've all stepped up to the job and even contributed offensively. So it's, I think everyone on the team, team has probably enjoyed this because it's been a different kind of playing style than what we've seen so far and what they're used to um hopefully we get to see this in the future
0: yeah i I have a feeling we will um very very cool stuff and let's go to the last question now this is from justin vibbs sacramento is arguably the toughest challenge we have this month and personally, I feel like it's a must-win. Any dropped points could hurt us down the stretch. Thoughts?
1: I I wouldn't be hurt with a draw. I mean, you know, I and I wouldn't necessarily say that that's lost points. I mean, look at how close they are in the standings to us right now. You know? Um, I, are, we, are we playing at our peak right now? Yeah, we're, we're playing at a strong high level now, granted. Playing against teams that are bottom of the table, like we've said in the past, that you know these are games that we're supposed to win, and we've talked about how yeah, if we want to establish ourselves as a top contending team, we need to we, you know, we need to come out with three points on this match. But would I be hurt if we get a draw out of this match against Sacramento? No, I wouldn't be hurt at all because you know it still shows that we're on the same level you know, as a Sacramento and that we can, we can hold our own with them that, you know, it wouldn't scare me. Now we lose, we lose this match. Yeah. Then it becomes a little worrisome, but I'm, you know, I don't, I don't look at, I wouldn't look at it as lost points.
2: No. And I, I I think a draw uh, depending on what happens in the match would be a, would be a fine result for Phoenix. But I, I also think that these points could be valuable depending on what happens when we go to Sacramento in a few weeks time because we've had a tough time playing in Sacramento in the past and if if it ends up that we only get one point over two games against Sacramento who's who's three points behind us in the standings you know that could really make the gap tight when it comes down to the end of the season so to make to make it easier on Phoenix Rising a win would be would be preferable no doubt i mean it it would it would definitely um help us later on i think but a draw wouldn't be wouldn't be the end of the world um a loss then would uh would definitely be a difficult pill to swallow just because we play sacramento again so soon and it would make that match uh a little more vital for us but no it's not a must win but it's one that we definitely need to see a a good showing from the team and a not a step back from these past three matches
0: yeah i i would echo those points and i mean i wouldn't say must win but i think we need to see this team go for the win and at least if it ends up being a draw like we can walk out of this match saying oh we were unlucky to not get the three points um but we had the better effort because you guys are both right. We're playing Sacramento again at Papa Murphy's Park in a couple weeks. And that's a place where we just don't get points. We just don't. Like in, in the past, we have lost there just about every time. It's a really tough place for us to play. And i I don't want to go into that match feeling like we need to get points there. And so it's also about sending a message. If we can get a pretty nice 3-1 win like the one we did last year, that just sends a message like we're for real. We are a step above you guys and you know, we're going to come into your home and get some points over there as well. I mean, I think there's some psychological value to getting the three points, but this is, this is absolutely a, you know, a six pointer as they say. Um, You definitely, definitely do not want to see a loss here, but yeah, I, I would strongly Prefer a win. I would be a little disappointed with the draw. Any any final thoughts on that question? Because that's it for our supporter nope. section. No,
1: nope. I think that's that's good for me.
0: All no,
1: right. I I would, I would just
2: say that. Um, I mean, yeah, Sacramento Sacramento is going to be a good opponent. So I, I think that this will be this will be a much tougher match than what we've seen. Um, I mean, maybe the, the only other opponent we could compare them to that we've seen at home so far would be Real Monarchs. But as Dominic said earlier in the episode, I think Sacramento has kind of taken a step back, and this might be the right time to play them, um, especially on the road. They haven't they haven't been performing the best. So yeah, hopefully we're able to go out there and uh, and you know do our job and grab three points.
0: Definitely. Well, at this point let's get to the interview with Alessandro Rigi. I had the pleasure to interview him on Tuesday, May 8th at the Phoenix rising soccer complex. It was an interview that went just over seven minutes. We talked about his youth career playing for the Canadian U 20 national team, getting a chance to play in Spain for a little bit. And then what brought him to the States, what brought him first to Montreal again, where he grew up and then to Phoenix. Um, One point of clarification, I think in the middle of the interview, I I mentioned uh, a couple tough on-field performances in FC Montreal, and I was meaning that, like, talking about the team wasn't playing too well. I was not meaning to bash Rigi in a way. I didn't even catch it until afterwards. So, uh, love you, Rigi, Um, and it's a great interview. Uh, You might like something he says at the end. Hello, this is Dominic here with Alessandro Rigi.
3: How are you doing? Good, good, good. Thank you.
0: Uh, so, since we got a few minutes, how has it felt to score two goals in the last two games?
3: Feels good. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, my position is to help the team, help the you know the whole organization put numbers on the board. So, to be able to provide that, it's, it's important for me.
0: And I know it was tough to get playing time during every match early in the season, but you stuck with it. How do you stick with it during those moments, and then shine when you get the chance to play?
3: I've been used. I'm used to it. I mean, uh, you know, with the national team growing up, uh, everywhere I've played in Spain, uh, even uh, Montreal, I've had to go through it at some point. Everybody does. You're on the bench for some reason. You gotta keep fighting, keep believing in yourself, and believing that you're gonna help the team when you do go on the field. So it's all a question of mentality at the end of day.
0: Sorry for the background noise. We're at the practice facility right now. You talked about the national team. I'm guessing that's the Canadian national team?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, the under-20s.
0: You got to... How many matches did you get to play for them?
3: We did about 10 exhibition-friendly like games, and then we had uh, the World Cup qualifications for the under-20s in Mexico, which was three games. What was that experience like? That was great. That was... uh, I was... At the time, my favorite moment for sure, representing your country. My parents flew out to watch, so it was unbelievable. Any
0: players uh, in MLS or any other leagues people might be aware of that you got to play with?
3: Uh, yes, Anthony Jackson, the striker uh, for the Montreal Impact, uh, Michael Petrasso, Samuel Piet. Uh, there's, there's a lot, If I, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's a few, there's a few. And then. I
0: was looking at the Wikipedia page and you got a call to the Sampdoria youth team, how did that happen?
3: That was uh, before Spain, so basically I went there on trial, they were interested, but at the end I chose to stick with uh, Salta Vigo in Spain, it just made more sense, they had a reserve team that was under 23 so I'd have more time to, to play there, so I just I stuck with the Spain instead. And how
0: long did you stay there?
3: It was a year and a half.
0: What was, it, half. what was it like playing down there and playing against a lot of good teams? Did you get to play against the Barcelona bees at some point?
3: We played against Real Madrid C. Uh, played against Porto, against Benfica. We played against some unbelievable teams, unbelievable experience. It was a different world, different culture. Uh, football is great down there. It was great to be a part of that. Watching, you know, the Liga games every single weekend, well every second weekend at their home stadium was dream come true, honestly, it was, it was fantastic.
0: But then you got the opportunity to go back to where it all started, why did you choose that?
3: At the time it's what made uh, the most sense, I wasn't happy with uh, where I was at uh, in Europe, uh, so back home there was an opportunity, family's there, friends are there, it's where I grew up, so that's why you, it just made sense, it felt right, I went back home and started again, started from there. And then uh, you were there for a couple of years.
0: Not the greatest on-field performances for those teams. Uh, and then, what brought you to Phoenix?
3: Was uh, was looking for a club after my two years in FC Montreal. And uh, my agent asked me what two clubs would I be, well, what clubs would I be interested in? And at the time, uh, I was really interested in either going to Orange County or Phoenix Rising because I liked the projects behind it. With you know, they both had. Uh, uh, aspiring dreams to go to mls so uh that ended up uh, you know with negotiation negotiations and stuff it came out to be phoenix rising so that's what happened
0: and what's it been like worth working with patrice Carterone? because i know he wasn't the coach when you first stepped on the pitch but
3: patrice is uh he's interesting he he pushes you mentally uh you know he's uh, he's much more of a as we would say in, in england a gaffer he just takes care of the games. Uh, we have Blair and Rick mostly taking care of training. So he's really all about the mental aspect, making sure you're doing everything right, and he just pushes you to to grow. It's uh, he's interesting. He's definitely the first coach I've had like that. It was tough at the beginning, but getting a lot. So I'm uh, I'm a lot more used to him this year. So
0: there's a pretty good French-speaking contingent now. You got yourself Luca Ricci, Drogba, Coach Carterone. I'm sure so there are a few others. Glancy, yeah, solo. <laughs>
3: There's a few, it feels good because, you know, I went to school in French back home. So it's, it's nice to, you know, speak the language here with the boys. It feels good. And uh, I heard that that was part of the goal you scored against Fresno. Can you take us through that story? It actually really was. It's unbelievable. It happened so quick, too. Uh, the ball was coming in uh, a solo. He didn't even see me. He was, you know, his, I was behind him. And uh, all I said in French was, uh, solo, uh, pass the ball in the space and you know in French and boom he just slid it there ran into it and just put it in the net
0: yeah what I mean what's it like playing with solo in training and training in the matches I mean just up in the press box down in the stands it's so impressive to see
3: oh he's uh, he's a great player I mean you look at his past he's played in uh, the African Nations Cup with Congo 20 caps for Congo he's won the African Champions League I mean this is this is a privilege for us to have a player here and you know the fact that he's so humble and nice is also really cool for us and for myself because I could ask him questions and you know uh, improve my game based based on uh, based on based on what he does and what what he's experienced. So it's 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 a great 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 example for myself and for a lot of guys in the team.
0: And I know you gotta get going soon, so we'll wrap it up pretty quick. But it looks like a long month up ahead. Open Cup is coming up. A lot of uh, road trips. Two matches a week for those. How are you and the rest of the boys getting ready to deal with that?
3: We take care of our bodies. We eat well, sleep well. We do our uh, treatments here with the staff, with the medical staff. And then we do what we're asked in training from, from the coaches, and that's it. We wait for our name to be called up, and when it is, we, we do our best for the club.
0: And what's one fun fact that people might not know about you? Maybe a type I'm of music like, you like, a TV like show. dance. yeah
3: i really like to dance
0: (laughs) Are we gonna see any amazing celebrations
3: probably i mean you know you can't you can't force those they come they come when you know everything's just right so maybe Uh, hopefully uh when i'm dancing it's a good sign so we'll see
0: all right thanks for your time and let's hope we get to see some of alessandro dancing on the pitch thank you thanks for having me of course thanks bro and that was our interview with alessandro rigi pretty fun that he likes to dance Um, Hopefully we'll see some more dancing as he continues to score goals for us. Um, And it was, it was great to hear his answer about just kind of like Joe Farrell, just always staying ready to go. You never know when it's going to be your time to play and produce. And uh, Reggie's really stepped it up for us lately. What are you guys' thoughts?
1: Yeah. And that's been a lot of, that's been a lot of players' thoughts throughout the year. You know, you've, you know, you've got to keep yourself ready and, and, You know when the coach calls on you you know he calls your number you know you're ready to go i mean chris cortez said that earlier in the season you know when he picked up his hat trick against uh uh you know oklahoma city earlier in the season you know he he didn't find out until you know showing up right before the game that he was going to be in the starting lineup but you click you know you click over and you're ready to go and Give that effort out on the field and you know I, I think all these guys and you had it in your interview with Farrell, ready when the coach calls on you now you've got it with richie you know these players have all bought into this mentality that you know hey i could be replaced at any time and i can replace somebody at any time i just have to put the effort forward and show that i'm ready whenever i'm called upon for you know for that specific game so i mean kudos to to the staff for for grilling that mentality into these guys
0: yeah yeah jeff you're
2: you're totally right i think they've all bought into to patrice Carteron's message that they, they're a team and they're deeper than just the 11 men on the field you know they, they need everyone um and i mean that's we've seen it, you know, Carter he, he has no problem rotating a player. And even in that, OKC match, you know, Drogba wasn't ready to go. So Cortez came in and, and had a hat trick. So it's, I think that it's great that our players have that kind of positive uh, attitude. You know, the, I mean, it, it could be so easy to, to become frustrated with the lack of uh, opportunity and to see it as, Oh, you know, I, I don't need to give a hundred percent. I'm not even going to get on the field, but, you know, none of them have done that. And I think that they've all earned their way onto the field. And, and Rigi specifically, you know, at, every time he's on the field, he shows something. Even if he's uh, not scoring or assisting, he's creating great opportunity for us with his uh, with his ability to dance. So it's, it's something that even though we haven't seen him as much as last season, I think as the season goes on, he'll be a crucial part of this team.
0: I mean, he's already stepping up and having a more and more important role. So that's just awesome. I just, he has a great personality um, and he just plays hard. It's pretty much all you could ask for in a player. Um, but at this point, we should probably get into closing thoughts. Yeah. Well,
1: first of all, on a personal note, um, Dominic, congratulations on graduating from law school. Um, I know it's been a long, hard, hard, arduous effort on your behalf to get that done. Um, you know, not only doing that, but putting this podcast uh, together and, and doing things here, you know, going out to practices and the sort, um, you know, you've, you've done a lot of stuff and, and you know, you earned, you earned every bit of what you've got there and, you know, much success to you. Uh, you know, as you move forward and, and whatever uh, you decide to do, uh, you know, with that. So that, that first, but um, thank you, you know, as far as, you know, no problem, you know, as, as far as what we've seen, you know, like we've all said, you know, we took care of the business that we needed to take care of against the teams at the bottom of the table. That's that's something in the past years that we kind of struggled to do as a club. You know, we, wouldn't go out and we wouldn't put that full effort to make sure that we took care of the business now that we've done that you know we see things in a different light obviously Saturday is gonna you know Saturday going to be a big game with Sacramento coming up obviously Wednesday's a big game in the open Cup so you know we're gonna see two vastly different lineups this week and nobody needs to take any of this you know and say well one's a direct result of the other no 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 uh-uh. Wednesday is Wednesday. Saturday is more important as far as the league is concerned. Let's come out and put a solid effort against Sacramento. I mean, you're going to have guys that are very well rested, you know, after a week off. You know, you you know, you are going to see players that you're not going to see Wednesday. You know, you're obviously not going to see Didier Drogua. You're not going to see Billy Forbes. You're not going to see Solomon Asante. Those guys are all going to have enough rest for Saturday night to come out and put a solid 90-minute effort against Sacramento. What we do want to see is solid effort from the kids uh, to give them that opportunity, you know, to take that first step in the Open Cup, you know, let's get the win against Sporting AZ, and then let's come back Saturday with that solid effort against Sacramento and try to show everybody in the USL that, hey, we mean business and we're here to stay.
2: Yeah. I think just to, just to echo your, uh, your comments, congratulations, Dominic. I mean, that's a huge achievement. Um, we're, we're all very proud of you. And I mean, I think as far as from a Phoenix standpoint, yeah, we need to see, we need to see great performances from our entire squad this week, you know, in the open cup. Um, you know, I think, I think that Sporting AZ is gonna give Phoenix a tough time, but this is a match that Phoenix is expected to take the win. Um, you know, we, everyone's been talking about reaching that fourth round and playing an MLS team, and I think I think that's a realistic expectation and, and we should be able to achieve that. Um, but no matter what happens on Wednesday, yeah, it's not gonna affect it's not gonna affect Saturday. We're gonna have a strong lineup for that match. and I think I think Patrice is going to be gunning for three points. Um, he's going to see Sacramento has kind of taken a dip in their form, and and we can capitalize on it. Whether we see three at the back, um, I'm not sure. I kind of wonder, being that it's Sacramento, a uh, maybe stronger attacking opponent. We don't, but you know, maybe maybe Patrice just wants to continue this uh, this great formation and continue the great results we've had on the field. So um, either way, I think we'll see a good performance from the team. Definitely, uh, definitely be a good home crowd, and you know, yeah, this this is going to be a tough stretch we have coming up. But I think, I think we have the team to do it. That in years past, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do do so.
0: Great, great points as always, Kyle. Um, You know, first off, thanks to you guys both for uh, you know shouting me out. I don't really deserve that, but uh, I do appreciate it. You know, this team has been something that got me through some really tough times getting through law school. Uh, There are definitely days that are not the best, days where you just feel swamped, and just to have covering this team, uh, the Twitter account, you know, this podcast to look forward to, that's something that just, you know, gave me motivation on some of those days just to keep going, keep working, Um, you know in all aspects of life and you know it's thrilling to see what this has become um and you know in no small part thanks to you jeff to you kyle and even to matt trainer last year um but it's just so exciting like everything has exceeded my expectations with the show uh what this team has done on the field what it's done in the community and just to be a part of that is very impressive As far as this week, you know, taking a more micro (laughs) approach here, uh, you know, stepping back into it, this is a big match against Sacramento. I think we can get the three points and I feel really good about our chances against Sporting AZ. Um, Yeah, don't expect a really, really strong first team lineup, but I'm really excited for guys like Dallas J, Evan Waldrop, um, Devin Vega, Kevon Freider to get chances to play in that match. And hopefully uh, we can wrap that one up pretty early and, you know, really just cruise it in the second half. But no matter what, it's going to be an exciting week of soccer in the Valley. Uh, Great Open Cup, you know, match. This is the first time Phoenix Rising has played another Valley team in the Open Cup. So that in and of itself is pretty special. And, you know, now let's, let's just get the job... Maybe we played one other one in the past, but it's the first time in a while. Um, And then let's get the job done on Saturday. I mean, what a great time to be alive, right? Two humongous matches, so close to home. Well, I think unless you guys have any other thoughts, that'll do it for this week. Jeff, Kyle, anything to add? Nope,
1: I'm good to go.
2: No, no, just just looking forward to this week. Yeah, we have we have two matches here in the here in the Valley of Phoenix. So yeah, get out to those matches and uh, support Phoenix Rising or Sporting AZ. Doesn't matter. Just support your uh, your local team.
0: Definitely, and and be for be sure to check out Firebird Soccer uh, for its coverage of the Open Cup match, its coverage of the Sacramento match and everything else going on in the Valley. So uh, this is Dominic signing off until next week. Go Rising. Go Go Rising. Rising. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.